Good morning. As was mentioned last week, we are now going to continue our series on I Am. It's the things that Jesus expounded to people claiming to be certain things. I am the bread of life. I am this. And today we're going to talk about I am the good shepherd. This in John chapter 10. Um, but before we get into it, I think a little context is necessary here on who Jesus was talking to. If you uh, go back into chapter 9 of John, you will find the healing of the blind man who was blind since birth. And Jesus heals him, and the Pharisees don't like it very much. And at the end of that reading in chapter 9, if you get to the last couple of verses, it talks about how Jesus said the blind man was forgiven of his sins. And this got the Pharisees to thinking. He goes, well, Lord, are we blind? And Jesus says, no, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But yet you say, I see, and your sin remains. And then he jumps down into chapter 10 where he starts talking about, I'm not going to cover this part, but he talk, talks about how I am the gate. And then after he talks about I am the gate, I believe Brother Matt's going to cover that one for us. But after that, when he goes into I am the good shepherd, he's talking to the Pharisees here. He's talking to his enemies. The Pharisees were still there. You know, whenever the chapter breaks, that's not necessarily a new story. Men put the chapters in. So the Pharise- he was answering this Pharise- the question that the Pharisees asked him, are we blind? And whenever he said, your sin remains, and then he goes into basically how to get rid of that sin. Talking about I am the gate and I am the shepherd. When you skip down to John chapter 10, we're going to talk about the second part today, I am the good shepherd, verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves. The sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd." Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So Jesus is talking about the good, he's the shepherd. He's not just somebody that was hired to watch the sheep. As he says, those men don't care about the sheep. You know what the hireling cares about? Getting paid and saving his own skin when the wolf comes. But he said, that's not me. I'm the shepherd. I own my sheep, and my sheep know me, and I know them. And even the sheep that aren't of this flock, I will bring them in. That way there may be one flock and one shepherd. You know, Jesus had a habit of taking everyday things that these people knew a lot about. You know, being a shepherd back then was a pretty common job. There was, seeing what shepherds did was pretty common. You know, we have people today that are called shepherds. Maybe we call them ranchers. But there may be people that have never been to a ranch, don't know how a ranch works. But in that day, everybody knew what a shepherd was and what a shepherd did. You know, there was a, and whenever he mentioned, I am the shepherd, I wonder how many of their, their minds went back to Psalms. Psalms 23, it talks about, The Lord is my shepherd. Well, what does the good shepherd do for the sheep? 
We're going to look into what Jesus being the good shepherd means this morning, what he was talking about. You know, if we look in Psalms 23 and 4, after he says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, he also goes down and goes, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A shepherd had to be prepared. You know, if a shepherd just went out there by himself with his sheep, he's not going to be able to do a whole lot. He had to be prepared for the job. He had to have the tools of the job that he was going to perform. The equipment of a shepherd, you know, Whenever that, we think, well, he had the staff, the rod and staff. Well, yeah, but there was other things a shepherd had that as I, as I did my research, especially in the Middle East, the Mediterranean area, there were certain things they did at that time that almost every shepherd had. Some of them would carry a little bit different of things, but the first thing was they had a thing called a, they had this little leather pouch. And what they would put in that leather pouch would be food for the day. That way they didn't have to leave the sheep alone whenever it was time to eat lunch. They would have some stones in there, and they would also have a sling in there. This makes David's story make a lot more sense to me. They would have a sling in there, and what they said they would use for those sling, that sling for was to, when they sling it, they'd sling it at wolves to run wolves off. But what, what I really found interesting was that a shepherd would use it, and if a sheep was straying out of the way, he'd use it and throw it in front of the sheep to make the sheep turn back. Now, with my aim, I'm pretty sure I might hit the sheep, but... They had that sling in there to protect the sheep and also to help guide the sheep. Now, in my infinite wisdom, I thought the rod and the staff were the same thing for a long, long time. But there's a difference. The rod was more like a club. And some of the shepherds in the research I did would take nails and nail it into it, not all the way in, and then sharpen the ends of them because they used that against robbers against any animals that got too close. Now, you can use the sling for something far away, but if something was real close, you had to use this to get them away. This was used to protect the sheep from robbers, from predators, and I'm pretty sure the shepherd got pretty skilled with that. The other one is the staff. Now, it was a little bit longer, and he could, and from what I, my re, the research I've done on that, it would have a crook on the end of it. That way, if a sheep got down in an area where you couldn't really get to it, you could reach down and pick it up around the sheep's body. It's probably not as elegant as that one looks. It's probably a lot wider. That way you could get that uh, around the sheep and pick them up. And it was also something they would use if the sheep was kind of straight a little bit, they could put it to the side and put them back on the path. Those are three common things that all historians believe shepherds of that day carried. Well, in all these things, they're all, they all have different uses. The little bag was so... I could carry my sling and I could carry my food. That way my sheep were never unattended. And that day an unattended sheep was a lost sheep. People didn't, didn't just leave them in pens and leave them to themselves like we do today. There, were, there weren't that many pens to, be, to, to begin with back then. So if you left the sheep alone, that pretty well meant when you came back, it wasn't going to be there. The sling was to help protect the sheep and guide the sheep. The rod was to protect and the staff was to guide and to get, get sheep out of trouble. Does Jesus do all those things? Does he protect his flock? Does he guide his flock? I think he does. Is he equipped to do those things? A good shepherd is equipped to do those things. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So he is equipped to protect, to guide, and to even bring the airing back. 
If we continue looking in John 10 and 12, it says, But the hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves, the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. You know, my dad owned his own business for a while. He's, he's sold it now. But his biggest goal was to keep it big enough where he could support himself but not have to hire anybody else. Because when you start hiring other people, they may be good employees. They may do their job right. They may do good things. But they don't have the same care for it that the owner has. The person that built it, they don't have that same care. They could be great employees. Now, sometimes you may get one that's bad. But even great employees don't have the same kind of stock in the company that the owner has, the man that built it from the ground up. And what happens? Well, sometimes they may let some of the things go a little bit, and before you know it, it turns into a big problem. But Jesus says, I'm not like that hireling. I own my sheep. I care about my sheep. They are mine. I didn't hire somebody else out to watch over them. They are my sheep, and I take care of my sheep. Well, you know, anything that own, is owned, generally you have to buy. Maybe sometimes you get it left to you in a will, or maybe you luck into something. But most of the time, you have to pay a price for something you own. If we look in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a, at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We were bought with a price. We are not our own. There was a price paid for us. Jesus now owns his sheep, and he will take care of those sheep. And the price he paid in John 10 and 11, verse 13, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. He paid for us with his own blood. Not only did he die for his sheep, he willingly did it. If you look further down, he goes, no man takes my life. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I can take it up again. He willingly died for his sheep. sheep. You think he's somebody, somebody that you, something you bought with that high a price, you think you're not going to care about it? You think you're not going to tend to it? If you were bought with that, if you paid that kind of price for something, Think of something you gave the most valuable thing you bought. Would you not take care of that? Would you not nurture it? Would you not make sure it's okay? You know, the Bible tells us what does a man gain if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The most important thing we own is our soul. Sometimes we treat it though like it's nothing but trash. And Jesus died for that soul, He bought that soul. It has more value than anything you have. Don't treat it like it's garbage. Don't treat it like it's something we can just throw out we don't need. You can think of the most valuable thing you own. Your soul is more valuable. God wouldn't die for that big house you have, that big car you have, the great job you have, but he died for your soul. It's the most valuable thing you own. Treat it like it. And not only that, it's really not yours. God paid the price for it. 
Jesus paid the price for it. So we need to act like he paid the price for it as well. We don't need to be rebellious going on our own way. Being the one that always has to be God and he always has to go out and find. Treat your soul like it was paid for a price and is the most valuable thing you own. Don't treat it like it's something you can just throw to the side and not worry about. In John 10 and 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. Do you know Jesus knows you today? He probably knows you better than you know yourself. As a matter of fact, I can probably guarantee you he does. He knows every flaw you have. He knows every personality, personality characteristic you have. He knows every temptation that bothers you. He knows what your deepest thoughts are, your deepest fears. He knows it all. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows it all. Why was it important for a shepherd to know his sheep back in those days? The Pharisees understood this because they understood what a shepherd did. But Jesus knows, you know what the shepherds of the day did? They would name their sheep. And you know what they would do? They'd name it after their most dominant characteristic. So if you're lazy, you got a name that basically said you were lazy. If you're stubborn, you got a name that said you were stubborn. If you were energetic, you got a name that showed you were energetic. But why were these names and why was Jesus knowing the shepherd knowing his sheep important? Well, at night in the Middle East, sometimes a bunch of shepherds would get together and build a big pen. Now, this is a remake of one. It's not as big as some of the ones they said that were made. But they would make this big pen, and as you can see, there's a gate to get, let the sheep in. And what they would do, they would, three or four shepherds would put all their sheep in there overnight. That way it was easier to protect. And what they would do, they would take shifts sleeping and guarding it. If you were in that group. Now, not, not every shepherd did this, but this was a large, a large uh, tradition of the day where you'd get a bunch of shepherds together, and they'd all build this pen, and then they would take turns watching the sheep at night. Well, at the day when it was at daytime, when it was time to let the sheep out and go graze and stuff, how are you going to know which sheep's yours? I don't think they had ear tags back in the day. Maybe they did. I don't know. If, if for people that don't know what an ear tag is, it's what people put in cattle so they know that their cattle or the brand, really branding a sheep doesn't do a whole lot because it'll just burn the wool. But so how do they know? Well, a lot of these shepherds would get name these sheep and they get it so that they could just call their name and they'd come to them. Do you come when Jesus calls your name? Jesus knows you. He knows your name. He knows you're one of his sheep. But do you come whenever he calls you? Or are you kind of the ones that's going to be stubborn and lazy and like, well, I really don't feel like going. Jesus knows you. He knows you in and out. What's even scarier, he knows what you think, but he even knows what you intended when you thought it. You know, have you ever said something and go, well, I really didn't mean it that way? Jesus knows if you really did mean it that way. He knows everything about you. You are his. He paid a price for you, and he's learned about you, and he will call your name. Do you follow when he calls? In John 10 and 4, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. They know his voice. Now, I'm not trying to step too much on mass because this scripture is kind of in what mass is going to cover, but it shows what a shepherd does. 
A shepherd isn't a follower. The shepherd led. The shepherd led his sheep. They followed the shepherd. Whenever they called him, the shepherd was out in front doing the leading. Do we let Jesus lead us or do we want to lead ourselves? Do we want to go our own way, do our own thing? Do we follow Jesus or do we want to follow our own path and have to be going search for all the time? Do we follow where Jesus leads? No matter how wrong it seems to us at the time, no matter if we don't understand where he's leading us all the time, do we follow or do we rebel? Because Jesus is there to lead us. The, the question is, are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the good shepherd or are you going to go your own way? The shepherd will lead you. And in that leading, he will protect you, provide for you. Make sure you're safe. Make sure the wolves don't get in and get you the predators. You know, there was a warning once given in the Bible, beware of the wolves in sheep's clothing. The shepherd will weed those out. The only question is, are we going to follow him and allow him to take care of us? How does he guide us? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus isn't physically here leading us today. We don't physically get in a line and follow him wherever he goes. We don't get to follow him like the apostles did in a physical kind of way. But he left his word behind that will guide us in everything we need to know. Here the psalmist said, it's the light unto my path. It shows me which way I need to go and which way I don't need to go. Do we let that word guide us or do we argue with it? Do we say, well, that was a, old, that was a time back then. I mean, times have changed and people don't believe that anymore and it's not politically correct. That's a big one these days. Oh, the times are changing. Jesus has never changed. He's been the same as he was ever since the creation of time. He's been the same. And just because we think it's 2,000 years later, we just think he's automatically going to change. Jesus has never changed and never will change. Are we going to follow what he wants us to do? Because he's sitting there ready to lead. He's sitting there ready to show you the path you need to go down. Are we ready to follow? You know, the shepherds of the day loved the sheep more than almost anything. They would do anything for those sheep. You hear David talking about when he was a shepherd how he killed a bear and a lion trying to attack his sheep. Why would you go up against a bear and a lion for sheep? They were his. He owned them. He protected them. He led them. And you can say, well, it was because that's how he made his money. Well, that may be true. But I think I could give up some money for not being attacked by a bear and a lion. But Jesus loved his, Jesus loved his sheep even to the point where he died for us. Let's take a look in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He'll provide for anything you need. He'll provide for your needs. Now, it may not be the best. It may not be 
what you expect. You may think you need more, but your basic needs Jesus will supply. You remember when we were talking about how he'd take care of the birds and they don't have houses? Jesus will take care of you. He'll provide what you need. It's just sometimes we think a little bit, we need a little bit more than what we need. Jesus will provide for his sheep. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He'll be there to lead you. He'll take you to the water. He'll take you to the green grass. And he'll lead you into righteousness. Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even in the darkest times of my life, even up to my death, I will fear nothing because Jesus is guiding my way. His rod and his staff are protecting me, and I can make it through with him. Even the very shadow of death, I can make it through because the good shepherd is leading me. You know, people say it all the time, and I believe it. It's a little bit different when a Christian dies. A faithful Christian, it's a little bit different. Sure, there's sadness, but there's also that hope. Jesus is going to lead me through this death onto the other side, where I'll live forever. I trust him to do that. He's my shepherd, and he's going to lead me through it all. I'll follow, and I'll reap the riches that are on the other side. Because I believe in the promises he gave me, and I know he's the good shepherd, and he won't let anything happen to one of his sheep. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? I do. Are you willing to follow the good shepherd to do it? Are you willing to follow where he leads even if you don't understand? Are you willing to give your body over to him as a living sacrifice following whatever he would have you to do? Knowing that he will protect you, he will provide for you, and even in the end, going through death, he'll protect you through that process too where you will live in the house of the Lord forever. If that's not your goal then I don't know what it is. That should be your goal. The only question we have this morning is, who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the good shepherd that gave his life for you, that purchased you with that great price, and wants the best for you? You know, people talk all the time about these self-help books. You know, that's all. I think, the, I think a lot of people really want to do some good. I really do. But they don't care for you like Jesus. They don't care. They didn't give their life for you. They don't love you like he does. But yet we'll follow some great known speaker and do all the things that they say because they know what they're talking about. And the good shepherd sitting here pleading with you to come with him. Knowing he knows what's best for you but yet we choose to follow other things. It could be the almighty dollar. It could be what somebody else says. You know what? It could even be what a preacher says. 
Jesus warned all the time about false teachers. And sometimes I've seen it. People put more faith in the preacher than they do in God and Jesus. Don't get into that situation. Follow the good shepherd wherever he leads you. If you're not following him today, get back in that path with him. It's never too late until you take your last breath. At that point, it is too late, and there is nothing that can be done at that point. Your life is lived. Your race is complete. But up until then, you can change your path. You can decide to follow the good shepherd that gave all for you, and that is wanting to protect and to save you. Please, please make that decision as we stand and sing.